Hello, players who can't do accents but refuse to let that stop them. And DMs that had to retcon an entire <laughs> two and a half months of sessions. Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm Maddie Conway. And I'm Robert Lopez. What are, I was about to say, what are we talking about today? But I feel the, the need to acknowledge that we have a weird energy in this studio. It's definitely super high pitched, super uh, super active. This is the time. But we of finished night. our finals. We did finish our finals. Robert I'm is officially done with college. Done with college until I decide to go back for my master's. But I'm done <laughs> with undergrad for at least uh, a long time. Woo. So yep. Uh, today we are going to be doing uh, a draft style video. Uh, where we talk about the don't touch the fucking buttons. Which one is it? No. Which one Just is it? Just read the thing, man. <laughs> She's trying to hit the fucking like the do 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 do. <laughs> I turned it down. Jokes oh wait. On you. <laughs> it's draft time. Oh my god. It's funny. Uh, anyways. Well, you made it not funny. <laughs> Doing a draft video <laughs> where we talk, where we're picking like our favorite and our our least favorite moments from um, the last two campaigns that we've played. We are picking two good and two bad from the first campaign, and one good and one bad from the next from the campaign we're currently playing, just because it hasn't been going on nearly as long. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna kind of have fun with this one, try and keep it a little more low key, and talk about some of the fucking train wrecks, <laughs> and also some of the greatest moments from either side of the table. Yeah. So starting with positives, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. So my my first positive for um, God, there's so many different ways to do this. To do yeah, to do the the first campaign was the creation, introduction, and usage of uh, Nidhogg, the giant Ooh. lizard. Specifically, if I have to pick a moment, it's when you fucked up and killed yourself, uh, release <laughs> concentration on a spell, and then everybody at the table had the oh. collective oh shit moment. Yeah. When they realized that the thing that was still at like half health and max power came back. I'm going to jump in here. My number one draft pick was also that moment where uh, I killed myself. As Magnolia, positive. That, that was, was my that one? was my number one positive. <laughs> which sounds really bad, but it was just a really cool narrative moment, and I think that's one of those things where it's like she almost got stuck in somebody else's somebody else's head. Oh my crazy. god, that was so scary. Yeah, there was a um, dice roll. Yeah, she almost <laughs> got stuck in the BBEG's head. Yeah, that would have been, and and we would have been just fully sharing a body, which would have been so interesting. That like, and so, honestly, that so would be a fun spinoff, like one shot, just to see what happens, because I'm so curious. Yep. But um, it was a really cool story moment. And I think that's one of those things where, like, failures as a character can, like, also definitely come into play. Because, like, I really thought about putting, I didn't know whether to put that as number one good or number one bad. But mm -hmm. It's um, kind of a mixed bag, truly. But, like, that for me, oh, my God. Doing the math on that and like it the whole time you were like, do I just kill myself? Do yeah. I try and bring it back? Do I kill myself? What do I do? Nidhogg's gone. She's banished. Which for the record, because uh, we, we've explained it in other episodes, this was a moment. It's like a really, really, really big fight. Like it's not the finale fight, but it's like damn near close. Yeah. It was and... like the fight before the, it was like the penultimate yeah. fight before the final fight. It was like the mid-series finale. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's not a thing. But whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. Um, we'll just have one. Yeah. It's like that kind of situation. And it was, so the bad guy was there. The bad guy had just gone down. Um, and I was trying to save the bad guy. He was a character named Keloy. Um, and we're fighting this fucking lizard, Nidhogg. And it is just kicking our ass like it's a massive dragon. We are like just a little party. Um, and, and we were struggling. And I cast Banishment on Nidhogg. And somehow succeeded on that because I used Banishment. All the time. Old poorly. 
And I had a wild magic surge. It basically said I could come back. I got reincarnate if I die within the next so ever minutes. And I had very low hit points and I was like running out of spell slots. And my brain was like, the best way to get these spell slots back is if I'm just in a new body. So we're going to roll the risks. We're going to take it. And so she kills herself in the middle of this giant fight, completely disregarding and not remembering that banishment is a concentration spell. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole story moment. She has like a moment where she connects with like the world serpent whose like heart resides in her. Jesus moment. Um, yeah. Like basically just like talking to God for a little bit and everyone on the like in the battlefield is like, did she just kill herself? Pardon me. Um, and then comes back and everyone's like, like, there's just a, like a, a energy settled across the table. Cause like a big thing just happened. Mm -hmm. And then Robert gets to go. So Nidhogg comes back and everyone went, oh, what? No, how? Yeah. And concentration was yeah, dropped, ma'am. And it was like, not even one that we could argue. It was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's very clearly. And then. She came back, played her turn, ate the BBG and fucking dip, man. She eats him. So the whole reason that she killed herself out the window but god it was such a cool story moment yep and it kicked off the entire second so half well. of the campaign mm -hmm. which was now trying to chase him down trying to like <laughs> yeah, trying to find a way to bring the fucking villain back while he's currently in the stomach of a dragon yep which resulted in killing another god. Uh huh. Uh huh. Swindling another god out of it, like the god of swindle. The amount of gods we killed. The, well, just like the god of swindleness. Yeah, god. Um, he got god. God swindled. I got him. That shit was wild. I beat him. That shit was nutty, man. Yeah, that whole thing was crazy. I think for for my side of it, it was just I loved playing that character. I, I'll have to look up the stat block one of these days and then shout them out on the podcast. I literally just looked up Nidhogg from uh, God of War. Ragnarok, and minor spoilers for anybody that haven't played the game, but it's been on forever. It got Game of the Year. Go fucking play it. Um, it's amazing. I have a controller that is God of War Ragnarok style. I also had Madison make me a dice box with their logo on the box. Like so super sick fucking box. Sick I'm so proud we of it. We talked about it in a previous episode. That's like That game is where the inspiration, not Ragnarok, but the one before it, just God of War, which is kind of like a hard, not a hard reboot, but kind of like a soft reset uh, of the whole series beforehand. That's what kicked off my interest in doing that sort of Norse mythology multiverse kind of thing in the first place. And Nidhogg, I was, I always knew I wanted to roll Nidhogg in because uh, the world serpent was the thing, um, the Idrisil was the thing, and I've explained this previously in, in a different video, but just to kind of briefly explain it here, the way that the Idrisil works is it's basically just this tree that sets out, also if anybody has watched the new uh, Loki season on Marvel, you kind of have a vague idea of what it is, but it's basically just this tree that sits out in the middle of nothingness. Uh, or sometimes in the middle of everything, depending on which version of it you're looking at. And it runs straight through each of the nine realms in traditional Norse mythology. Basically, the only thing that is left after every time Ragnarok happens is this tree. The first two people are always born from the tree, which then turns into God, which then turns into the rest of the world on all the nine realms. And then the cycle repeats and so on and so, on, uh, so, on and so forth. And it's basically just a giant fucking tree. So I was like, cool, what if people could travel using the tree? Which is an idea that came directly from Ragnarok, but then... Again, if you know anything about Norse mythology, what comes with the Idrisil is a creature called Nidhogg, uh, which is basically this giant uh, reptilian serpent, kind of half-dragon, half-thing, that half-dragon, half-thing, it's just oh, a dragon. Uh, it's a dragon without wings, and it basically is only there to big gnaw lizard. at the root. Yeah, big lizard. It's, its only purpose is to gnaw at the roots of the Idrisil to keep it from basically overgrowing. Uh, it's basically like it's just there to prune, prune the hedges to keep the Idrisil from sort of sprouting out where it's not meant to be. So... Fast forward to the actual campaign itself. 
Interstellar is basically thrown in the middle of nothing. Its roots are crossing throughout the realms. They're on every different realm you could possibly imagine throughout the multiverse, and Nidhogg is still doing what Nidhogg does best, which is trying to chew at the roots, keep it from spreading. The issue is now there are too many roots in too many places. So Nidhogg is spread thin. There is a particularly large root in a city called Fairhaven. The players, several of them are from there. They go there. There's a fight. They attack the root on a mission from a queen. And then, surprise, surprise, pissed-off lizard shows up and is like, hey, guys. Not literally. She didn't, she didn't speak fucking uh, just, any language. I would have loved if she spoke. If she she just did speak. Up. She speak primordial, but no one else spoke that um, in the party. The uh, one-time language would have she's mattered. She's like a fucking celestial, man. Like yeah. she's, she's basically like a, a, a demigod yeah. or like a, a, a more of a force than a god itself. But she shows up fighting the party, immediately goes for Kiloi, who's Loki. Um, at first, it's like, cool, are we fighting her? Are we fighting Loki? Are we fighting the plants? What are we doing? I What's am- the end goal? My character immediately was like, we're fighting... He was fight. He was fighting on our side. He was yeah. helping us, but it was there was no way that like, they were going to no. be able to beat her or beat yeah beat Ninhog because I looked up the stat block and it was like a CR twenty twenty five monster with like crazy broken abilities and I was like sick. This is going to be a fun fight. And then so we had then other Ninhog and the plants and Keloy and then like it's like cool. How do I help them? Well, I'm going to send in the one guy that's like on the same level as Ninhog, if not a little bit lower, being yeah. Keloy. And so he's like, ah, I'm going to fight with the heroes for once. I mean, his whole goal was to try and kidnap Magnolia and kill Nidhogg. It was like a two-for-one yeah. special. But if he could only get one, he was going to take one. Yeah. Um, he almost got away with it, too, motherfucker. He almost had it. But <laughs> then he didn't. That was the like, story of his life. He almost had it, and then the party did something, and he didn't. But anyways. Specifically one party member. <laughs> Nidhogg is fucking up everybody that steps to her. Uh, she ends up going for Keloy, and at this point, Magnolia, who has a lot of really important story points, is like deeply attached to this character and is like, I need him for answers. He's got answers. He knows how to solve the riddle. He's got the keys to the puzzle. He knows what the puzzle is to begin with. So, like, we need to keep him alive long enough to ask him questions. And then another party member's like, nah. Yeah, and then there was another party member who was like, nah, it's on site. This man has ruined my <laughs> whole life, which he did. Uh, he did. And that's actually one of my other negative points on here um, is the sort of direct result of this particular fight. But fucking Magnolia is like, cool, how do I keep the fucking lizard from eating Keloy? And banishes the lizard. Yeah. And then... That was that was such a cool moment. That in itself probably mm-hmm. could have been a moment because yeah. it was such a, like, everyone at the table was like, mm-hmm. like, no one, I didn't think it was going to work. I said, and I was, was like, so this fucking is not going to work. Because she was so fun to play. She had so many cool abilities. She fits story-wise. It was like the, the element of nature coming in, like the primordialness of the whole thing. Um, like kind of nature versus man, that sort of deal. And then she blips out. And then there's a high story point, everything else that Madison explains. She kills herself, Nidhogg comes back, and I'm like, cool, what's the one thing? I even rolls the wisdom saving throw. I was like, what is she going to do? Uh, low Keloy, she's in a fit of rage because Keloy was whooping her ass with magical items. Oh, yeah. Or are we going for the motherfucker that just banished me? <laughs> she rolled like a three. That and was such it was a like, scary roll It was like, by. cool. Because, I mean, in that moment, it was like whoever she's going for is going to die. Yeah. Like, if I'm focusing all of her multi-attacks and legendary actions on one person, that person is dead. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, you know what? Keloy's down. Might as well fucking eat him anyways. He's a yeah. pain in my ass. He's been a pain in my ass since ever. Yeah. And so she goes for him and then blips out. Yeah, it was... She goes for him, hops back in the tree, and then disappears. That was such a cool fight. It, it was definitely, like, one looking back where it was so awesome because in the moment it felt like failure. Yeah. That entire fight felt like failure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what made it... F- I guess feel like such a win for me is just talking about all of that background that went into it, like her being there. Because it was the first time she'd ever made an appearance in the campaign. And I mean, from day one, I planned on using her. I just didn't know when I wanted to use her. And then, like, that was like the perfect opportunity to, like, bring her into the fold. Yeah. It was was definitely a high point. It was definitely a high point. Yep, for sure, for sure. What's your number two? 
My number two on the positive one was probably the boss fight with Keloy at the very end of the campaign. Just, again, sort of designing... God, that was one of the most disheartening fights! Uh, designing a fun character or having a breakthrough Ugh. on a fucking PC stat block was just so fulfilling and rewarding. We, I've talked about this in previous episode, a previous episode where we talk about how to build like good villains and how to do stat blocks and that kind of thing. And Keloy... Was he was a god, and his whole thing was that he was like the the ultimate shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had like an impossible time trying to come up with hit points and AC and movement speed and sight. And I finally got through all that, and then I was like, "Well, fuck! What spells do I give this guy? He can do literally everything. He does. He does everything." And see, my thought at first was like, "Why don't I make him a chronomancer?" But we had already had a BBG chronomancer at the end of the first campaign, yeah. or first section of the campaign. So I was like, "Well, fuck! I can't do that." And then. I don't write anything. We get to the fight, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to give him stuff on the fly. And then I like stumbled upon this really cool idea right before we rolled for initiative, and I was like, he is his whole thing is like masquerading as other people and turning into beings yeah. and like memorizing what other people do and then doing it better than they do it because he's a god. So what if his whole fucking combat style is just repeating the moves that he sees other people do, specifically the party, which he spent a long time watching? Yeah. So then I have this fucking PC who's got a really high AC and really high hit points and it's fun to roleplay because everybody hates him, whose whole thing is being able to use the party against themselves. And that was like cherry on top, fuck you. It was. And it just felt so satisfying because once they put it together, they were like, is he, is he using our spells? Yes. Because somebody hit him with fucking disintegrate, so I was like... No, because me and another spellcaster in our party were slinging disintegrate. Like... I got two uses of disintegrate out of that fight, man. And normally that's like one... like That's like a one-use thing. Yeah, it was... I remember the scariest moment of that fight for me, personally. And there were like a bunch... Like, it was very, like, climactic. It was a Mm. lot of, like... It was a really intense fight. And it was, like, fucked up. Because it was, like, he's gonna look at you while he kills your party member that you know... That, like, he knows that you care a lot about. Mm. And is gonna, like, make a joke about it. Like, it was, like, deeply personal. It was, like... This is, like, dirty fighting. Definitely the most hateable villain I think I've ever made. It was, like, I'm spitting on you and, like, biting you while I'm fighting. It is like nasty, dirty fighting. And mm. there was a moment where I had a wild magic surge and I'd cast like magical darkness around me. And I was like, well, oh, motherfucker. Um, and then <laughs> you're nodding because you know this moment. And it was fucking terrifying as a player because he has all these teleportation spells because also. My character uses a fuck yeah, ton of teleportation. They're all teleporting. The two mages are like teleporting a shit ton across the table. And I yeah. was like, cool, man. That's, well, that's just like, like one her of the whole bank. shtick is that she's like tied to the end. She can make these doors. Like I had, mm. I didn't even take any like teleportation spells because I just had so many abilities yeah. that let me teleport as a character mm. and just like as a person. So I was like teleporting all the time. So he. I'm like stuck in the magical darkness and I can't see anything. And then suddenly I. Uh, Robert goes, okay, cool. Roll a, like a perception check. And I did. And I got pretty good on it. Like I got like a 20 something. And he was like, okay, you see a little sliver of light and you know the familiarity of the spell dimension door. And that just meant cool. So I know the motherfucker is right behind me. And it was like Mm -hmm. at the end of his turn that he did that. And no one else knows where he is. And because it's like a big space and there were several places to hide and just like knowing and leaving in the end of a turn being like, cool, the bad guy who wants you specifically like fucked up 
Like there's a personal, like personal <laughs> vendetta with everyone in the party, but like deeply it's personal. For you in particular. It felt like it sometimes, yeah. and it was sometimes. It was very like boogie manny in that last fight, and I yeah. had so much fun with it. That was that was such a scary moment of like the person who's trying to kill you is right behind you, and mm-hmm. you cannot see them, and also no one else in your party can because it's magical darkness, mm-hmm. and none of you can see through it, and it ended up coming in clutch because one other player could yep. and like took like a random thing to like allow them to see through magical darkness mm-hmm. and ended up boxing him in the magical darkness it was wild but that was such like a, a visceral like scary moment at the mm-hmm. table that was one of the freakiest Ugh, fuck that yeah fuck that fun. so much and so i can move to my negatives then um or do you want to do your positive i was about to say we, we should still have another positive or are we splitting well, them into i feel two? like we split them into two okay just okay. Top into so that just changes my order a little bit yep um one of my best ones was kind of like uh magnolia's history and mm. like figuring that out because it was something that uh magnolia's character yeah. backstory I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to write that in the in like the most appropriate and satisfying way it was really good it was a mm-hmm. character i kind of wrote her backstory as kind of a throwaway Way back when, um, like going on, what it feels certainly like three came into years play. Ago. Yeah, and it was just like a throwaway backstory. It was like cool. I'm like used fucking fantasy name generator. Came up with like a mom and dad name and a brother, <laughs> and was like wrote that down. It was like I knew I wanted her to come from like a nobleish background, but like doesn't use it. Yeah. So I was like a high noble family from like I didn't even have a city. Like Robert gave me the city because I was like, you can choose. I was just like what. I mean, truly, I just started Googling. I was like, fantasy settings. And then yeah. Fairhaven, Everon came up. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So, I, high noble family from uh, Fairhaven. She doesn't really talk to him. Um, she didn't really fit in because she's like a wild magic sorcerer. And they're like a, a high noble family. So, they probably wanted her to be like a mage. And she was like, mm-hmm. like a more wizard. interested in being like a circus performer. And like kind of living that life. Um, of like entertainment and stuff. And so I like wrote the backstory. I was like, she ran away from home, like hasn't been back in like a couple hundred years. Yeah. I wrote that. I was like, there's no reason for me to come up with a backstory. I like wrote away family because I was like, I don't really want to deal with like her having a family or a connection. And I also like wrote down, I was like, she doesn't know where her powers come from and she doesn't have a lot of interest in learning where her powers came from. And oh, how that changed. Um <laughs> So the entire, like, first campaign, or, like, the first, like, half of the campaign when we were playing back in Harlixen, um, we don't really, like, dig into that at all, mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting to, and then towards the end, we started to get kind of, like, little inklings because, oh, well, you find out that her magic is, like, working really, really well with the end, and actually, she's able to make doors to it, which is crazy, because you mm-hmm. were just, because she was just told, hey, that's not normal, um, mm-hmm. and then she's like, huh, that's odd, that's that's inconsequential. It's fun. Um, and then she gets a magical item that allows her to teleport. And she's like, cool, it's a pretty flower. Um, and then towards the end, she starts to kind of get an inkling uh, when they go and are like in the heart of the serpent. And she's like, uh, the the flower starts like growing through her body and into the ground. And, and then it's she like, does that not once, but twice. Twice. Uh, yeah, that was a <laughs> exhaust. <laughs> Yeah, that was a smarter, not harder moment for me, you know? Yeah. There were easier ways to go about that. We certainly picked the more difficult one. Yeah. Specifically, I said, can I vibe check the area? Which, that is a a phrase slash check that has continued into this campaign as well. Can I just fill out the vibes of the situation? (laughs) Like, how's the room feeling, you know? It's a valid question. 
Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just got a vibe check. I think that the difference are... between an inside check and a perception check and an investigation check, like knowing when to use them is fucking infuriating. So you vibe check. Yep. And so it's whichever check. one that you have the highest plus to. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much. So she ends up kind of like getting an inkling there that maybe she's directly connected to the serpent. And then uh, the second half of the campaign starts and oh boy, do we end up digging Ooh. into family history by yep. force. And then you find nah. out that it is like literally the like the in itself, uh, and like the entire like the the villain and like part of his motivations is uh, he was in love with like one of her ancestors and he's trying to find mm. a way to bring her back. And oh, there's a familial connection for you. And also, I'm gonna burn down Fairhaven, um, yep. which is where you're from. And I'm also going to like root through your family's home, like ancestral home, looking for things and like killing your family specifically. This is um, this might be fucked up to say, but I think that was one of my favorite choices role playing as Keloy, like to make. Because in was, my mind, I was, was like, fucked. "How do I kick off the second campaign?" And I was like, "Well, the primary BBG behind the whole one has basically made like zero appearances." Yeah, we didn't know. It was multiple about him. characters behind the scenes never really revealed? Nobody ever made the appropriate checks. It would have been really high to notice that something was off. And so I was like, "Fuck it, we'll start it with a bang then." And in my mind, yeah. the way that I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, "Cool, he's made." All of these preparations throughout campaign one. He has watched, he has learned, he has taken notes. He's finally got a target. And he's a little fucking screwy up top, mm-hmm. but he's got a target. And I'll be damned if he's not going to go for it, because it's the most direction yeah. he's had in centuries. Yeah. And it was... He it went was, for it. It was a hell of a way to start a campaign. Literally, like, you just meet the other characters, and then suddenly your home is being burned, mm. um, your family is being killed deliberately in front of you, and then a fucking scary-ass figure uh, grabs you and goes, come home, mm. and says your, like, full birth name that you that is not the name that you go by anymore. <laughs> and then disappears, and you find out in that process, also, he's using the same magic as you, and you've never seen anyone else use that magic. And mm-hmm. then you're like, mm-hmm. cool, okay, something's fucky here. <laughs> uh, and then you, awry. like, it was such an interesting thing of, like, playing a character who originally had no desire to, like, learn mm-hmm. about, like, where things were coming from, and then to find out that it was, like, the thing that she was the most involved in, mm-hmm. and how, like, deep and, and, like, intrinsic it was. It was really cool to have such a personal connection, also, to, like, the person that you're fighting yeah it's just, it makes it so much so much more visceral when you're when you're role playing in, in a combat encounter or just even in a campaign when you have like a personal attachment to the thing that you're actively fighting against yeah you know because it was like it was like, like just a camp of goblins yeah and it was like cool this is someone who has like been involved in my family's history and hater like number one dude truly hater number one from the fucking beginning from the start like literally from the start and then you look back at like From the creation of Magnolia. Conception, literally, he was, on, he was on deck, man. Literally, it was like <laughs> she was created to spite him a little bit. Like no, looking fully, back, not even a little bit. Fully, like, that was... she is like a just her existence is a fuck you to him, and he's Half like, I motiv- have beef with an infant. Half of the motivation and of of the decision to split his his like his heart from his body was to be like you're never gonna get it yeah you're never gonna get i would rather off myself in this moment number one because it's just the right thing to do but also number two fuck you dad yeah fuck you dad and then you know what i'm gonna do have fun go trashing your fucking ex-lover's home yeah now i'm gonna put it in the last remaining person of like Mm -hmm. the one person that you were in love with yeah 
And I think even though it didn't really appear this way in the story, the only person he ever truly felt a connection to in the end was Magnolium in a weird fucked up way. Yeah. It was like, this is the last vestige of the ancestors of the, like the person that I love the most that kicked off this whole thing. That's tortured me for thousands of years. And now my only way through to my goal is to kill this bitch. Yeah. And to basically stick her in a house. Yeah. You know? And it's She's like the engine, up. and I just got to turn her into an engine, yeah. and then I just got to take the wheel and forget it ever and happened. also look into the face of like someone who looks like the person that I was in love with, mm-hmm. and is like the direct descendant of, and yeah. be like, so sorry, I got to bring your great grandma back. <laughs> Bye, yeah, bitch, you're going in sorry. a box. We're trying to figure out, yeah, there's just there's too many too Like, many we could make another do. one of you. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was a, a, a few times where I considered making him... Um, like a uh, like a father, like yeah. the actual father, or like a more direct, um, like lineage. And yeah, I think in my mind there there was always some kind of a, I don't know. There there was a thought that I had about halfway through, where I really considered just because you know I'm the writer of the story, I yeah. make up the canon of the world, that he was the father of your grandmother. Who then, of course, then gets passed yeah. down to you because it was great grandmother that he was in love with in the first place. But I don't know. I toyed around with it. I never really set it in stone. It could be. It couldn't be. I never really yeah. dig that far. I'll into say it was. It was kept vague throughout the whole campaign because there were yeah, a couple. Everyone jokes was like, that we would that make, his, and we it, were like, y'all are related. It, y'all are related. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes made about like, is that your like fucking grandpa? Mm-hmm. Who is that? Is it like what's happening here? It was just like an element that I felt like I, I didn't really want to put a uh, like a finger to. I think you know? it was fun not having it. I think it was like vague enough and interesting enough, especially because you made some certain choices with saying who her family was mm-hmm. um, that I'm not happy about. Uh, I would like to put this out here. I'm going to share this story. This honestly probably should go in my top worst moments. Okay. I might just end up making this one of my worst moments okay. and skip ahead here. What, fu- what is it? Fucking one of your yes, right? Let's, so let's save it because we do we do need to stay on track. What's your next positive? That was my that was my positive. You don't have like another one for we this. We had two positives for the old campaign and then one for the what new was one. Your second one. That was my second one. Magnolia, I like the backstory. I thought your first one was the backstory. No, the first one was killing myself. Oh right. That's why I said I'm gonna interrupt. We drafted that. Right, the same right, top right. pick. No, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So I am allowed to segue into this. Yeah, I know. I'm fucking stupid. Go on. So, the way that we introduced Magnolia, which honestly probably could have been in my top picks, it was like up there for top ones. Mm-hmm. I said, I said I would love for my introduction to be because this character was like, um, like she like slept around and she was like very like hedonistic and just like going with the flow. And she also, and this was from the like D and D little backstory sheet. It was like she thinks that like one of the options was like I think everyone is the one. And I was like, that's really fun to play with. I'm going to play with that. So she's like constantly dating and getting her heart broken. And I was like, I would love for this to start because the prompt was, where would your character be on like a Sunday morning? Mm. And I was like getting dumped in a tavern somewhere. Um, and <laughs> it was like, it, it, <laughs> her character introduction, yeah. it was like the in, it was like that scene in Legally Blonde where they're like at a restaurant, the, the boyfriend shows up with flowers and it's like, hey babe i got something to tell you um you know this was never like serious right like i got a date like a serious like like person like, like a lawyer and you're like 
you come from like a really nice family that you don't like to talk about, but you know, at the same, like at the end of the day, you're like, you're like a burlesque dancer, basically. Like you're yeah. a stripper. You're, you're like you're a, a whore. You're, you're a jester. Yeah. You do like little like shows. Yeah, you do like little party do tricks. Like, you do circus shit yeah. in, in the back alleys. You do like circus shit in like seedy taverns for money. Yeah. Um, and you flirt with a lot of men. Uh, that's not really the vibe I'm going for. And it's like a messy breakup. She's like sobbing. She like is throwing shit at him. She ends up like getting drunk with the like dwarven women in the tavern. And they're like, you can do better, girl. It was just a wild opening. And so she decides that she's going to like end up actually going to his house, which is a flower shop and um, breaking in and burning it down. And that's her intro. And everyone else is was like, you stumble upon a door. And she was like committing arson, mm -hmm. um, which was also very fun. But, um, I mean, Dakota's was, let's use his name. Brayon's was <laughs> We've like, We've used his name so many times. Yeah, but I try not to. Brayon's was like stumbling into a fucking abandoned dwarven stronghold, though, in the middle of war. No, that was scary, too. Yeah, his is pretty intense, just like yeah. in like a very different way. <laughs> you know, just, there was just a big tone shift. <laughs> Everyone had a very, very different intro, but sorry, continue. Um, so. Reveal who we, he was. We find out who... So that was the boyfriend. We know that he's the son of the uh, the, the people at the Queen's Kiss. And who then... she has definitely canonically slept with. Yes. And then we fast forward almost two years. <laughs> and you find out over the course of the campaign that Magnolia... The, the, both of her birth parents are not actually her birth parents. Surprise. Surprise, um, bitch. So her mother was ha her mother does not claim her as a biological child because she gave birth to her and she was a stillborn and then magic uh brought her back to life and she was like that's yep, not yep. My she was like that's not my baby I'm gonna pretend it is for the public but that's not my kid and I don't claim you as like my biological daughter that makes so much sense why she was such a total bitch you made that decision the whole time though like wasn't that a great explanation for that though <laughs> yeah she never wanted you in the first place well like everyone was like wow freak, you hate your like what beef happened between you and your mother and i'm well, like her mother never fucking wanted her bro because yeah. she was like an alien she was like that's not my kid nah, and that's see? why magnolia was the way she was my kid died in the fucking table who are you <laughs> <laughs> like you came out with scales that's not right yeah nah you were looking like a whole reptilian bro yeah um so you find out that and then you find out even later um that her mother was having an affair mm -hmm. and that there's this flower shop she kept going to all the time called the queen's kiss and you find out she's having an affair with the person there and then i'm like we're reading the diary where it says this and i'm like but my biological father's my biological father, right? And Robert's like, yeah, yeah. And then we go to the flower shop, and we find out that is not the case. Nah, and Robert mom lied. Was, mom was fucking. And so that made the decision canonically. Mom was fucking. That, I mean, mom was fucking. Magnolia was fucking. They, like, between the two of them, most of Fairhaven has been got. Um, but, like, yeah, then Robert made the canonical decision, and I don't know if he knew this when he made that decision or not. I don't know if he remembered, but it means that Magnolia canonically fucked her half-brother. And I... <laughs> I lie awake at night. Oh, man. I lie awake at night thinking about that, and only one person in the party knew, and it was also in a very funny situation, which That's was... Rough. We were, like, the whole party was, like, fucked up in this little, like, Grecian town, and, like, 
two of the party members are casting like talk to plants on this plant growing in the palm of one of the party members and the plant is like getting sentience and is like terrified and then you cut to like two of the edgy characters Adel and magnolia and they're like talking about relationships or something and Adel's like i've never been in a relationship and i'm like 30 that's kind of sad and magnolia goes hey i fucked my half brother it could be worse and he went what and that was the only time it was ever spoken of <laughs> in the entire campaign. Oh man! And I have nightmares about that, and I, didn't I hate make that that, that happened when I originally did it. I, I didn't like, think you did, but I was just like, "How do I make the fucking flower shop important?" It's because the man that that fucking conceived you ran the shop, and then I, I was like, "Wait a minute! <laughs> Wait a minute! How did we introduce didn't, this place?" Didn't his fam? Wait a second. Yeah. What about the first set? And then it all clicked. She fucked family. Yeah. And I, I, this really wasn't the intended outcome, <laughs> but um, that was the outcome. Yeah. It does make the chart of Magnolia's father figures very interesting because she then now has a stepfather who turns out was one of her old party members sent back in time in a new life was the stepfather because mm. he wasn't the biological dad. Um. Probably his whole fucking thing was funny <laughs> as shit, man. Oh my god! So there's one father, Audi. Um, second father, the owner of the Queen's Kiss. Cool. That's her. That's her ex's father. <laughs> He's Audi. Um. Then you have fucking Keloy, who's like not technically like related, but like is a in a weird way. In a weird way, like feels a little bit related. Yep. Um. What's your next negative? For time's wow, sake, what's cutting your next me off. I'm um, so sorry. What's your next negative? <laughs> the individual targeting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. When I tell you, I don't like it either. Because looking looking back at it, I wish I would have given so many other people the more beef that this man had <sighs> with Magnolia. This is why Not I say it felt personal. Like it wasn't even personal though. It was but just was, like, but. The easiest way to connect the dots was with the person in the fucking middle. And so this results in... Why don't, why don't you go over the list of things that happened? I mean... <laughs> she had a hit on her from birth, so we'll start there. <laughs> she never... <laughs> she never... Wild beginning! She was never really her own person. Her whole life was manipulated by a fucking multi-dimensional slash multiversal snake who really only cared about getting a snake taken out of his anus. Or, sorry, a tree taken out of his anus. Uh, her, like, weird father stepfather was also the same psychopath that murdered her mother in front of her and killed yep. her brother and killed her father inadvertently. Yep. Um, oh, Jesus, <laughs> what else? She... Yeah, but pretty much never in control of her own actions, and the only thing that ever kept her alive was sheer dumb luck. Yeah, uh, she should have died many, many times, and that yeah. was always the intention was to kill Magnolia in some way, but it just never fucking happened. Yeah, uh, pretty much everybody she knew and loved either died, went home, and never talked to her again, or ended up being the villain. Yeah, uh, the only time she ever had a happy ending was when she was solitary confinement to the end of which she's never allowed to leave. I mean, the list, the list goes on. It was. This is why I say it felt personal. <laughs> Um, there were just listen. It's like when you're doing a little connect the dots thing, and there's always like that one fucking dot that you always have to come back to because it like it makes the shape for the next three shapes. Yeah, you kept being the fucking dot, man. I'm sorry I was like, for how existing. How do I pull everybody else in? No, it's just my fault. I wrote myself into a hole. You were the MacGuffin. You were 100 the fucking MacGuffin to my campaign. I know. And I wanted to kill you off so many times, but you were so in love with the character that I was like, if I kill Magnolia, I'm never gonna hear the end of it. You wouldn't. So I kept her alive. I loved her. 
at least I did my best to give you the opportunities to keep her alive. You made a lot of really fucking dumb decisions that would have killed her, but somehow she I, didn't listen, die. Listen, I had the support of the entire table. Um, she made it to the end. I had people cast Death Ward on me but every single day like about clockwork. why it was personal. Truly the most, I mean, the one thing that made it the most personal was the fact that the BBEG, who I canonically made like the most omnipotent slash powerful person in the campaign, was constantly gunning for her and everybody in her family and yeah. any of her friends and all of her party members. And it would have been so much simpler, truly, if she had just stepped like to the side and was like, hey, let's have a conversation about this. But we've talked about it, and it's the way that he went about it that set the tone for the rest of their interactions. Yeah, and it was like one of those things where like, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was. But at some point, it was a point where I'm like, bro, pick yeah. on someone else. Because Now every- in our current campaign, she's like afraid to tell me things because she's worried that I'm going to like use it to then bite her in the ass I'm later. So and I'm like, I'm not going for you, man. Like, it was just an unfortunate fucking, like, outcome of the circumstance. It was, like, every situation. And, like, the amount of times I got kidnapped. Not to bring in a bit of sociology in this, but there are two different two different outcomes when you're talking about systems in sociology. One is latent, um, and one is manifest. A manifest function is what you want to happen. A latent function is what happens regardless of what you want to happen. So, for instance, education. You want somebody to be smart, you put them in education. What happens? They make friends. They get in relationships. They have experiences. Magnolia's trauma was a fucking latent function of the whole campaign. Because the manifest function was just to be a key to start the rest of it. Yeah, it was... She was just the first dot, man. It was messy. It was so messy. To the point where, like, party members were like, It was never intentional. It was always, like, party members being like, Hey, what did you do to Mm -hmm. this man that he is, like... Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I well, that, that not, was the other thing, too, I, I think, that made it so anything. shit for the characters. The character never understood why. Like, until the yeah. very end, she never knew, she never understood why this guy was, like, going for her life. She was just like, I was just chilling, and then one day he killed my whole family, and then he kidnapped me and said, hey, do you want to, like, work together? And she was like, you literally just killed my mom in front of me. <laughs> like, literally, her body is warm. She's in the next room laying on the floor. You tricked me into getting here. If you had like bought me a drink at the bar and said, hey, you want to work together? She would have said, she was like, yeah, I would have said yes. But you kidnapped me and you killed my whole family. (laughs) I didn't even like them, but like the principle of it, the principle of it. Did you just play a TikTok at full volume? No, I didn't. Are you Uh, lying? I didn't do anything. Are you lying? Anyways, I'm going to go on to my first negative. Yeah, I was going to say. Um... Yeah, my probably my biggest regret from that whole thing was letting you all get away with letting Fairhaven burn. <laughs> my little asterisk next to that was introducing two god characters, and then and then having the character that was at the crux of both of their their introductions to the campaign. That's my second one, actually. My second most negative. Hello. What? Someone's here. Interesting. My second. We don't need to lock the door. Most Jesus Christ! My second most negative moment is actually kind of at the heart of that too. So we'll we'll start from the beginning. <sighs> One of our players has a bit of a thing for dragons, and always has had a thing for the dragons. Um, the joke is that he would fuck a dragon if he could. He gets very upset when we say he would. I do wasn't that. even gonna say that. I'm so sorry for it's like starting that. It's just like a that. funny thing. But anyways, he loves dragons. He likes dragons. Um, it is what it is. Some some men go through the phase, and then some uh, never come out of it. And he's the latter. Um, so anyways, he wanted to play a dragonborn character, and I was like, cool. 
I'll give you a Dragonborn character. I'll give you I'll give you the best Dragonborn character. He was a Dragonborn character who was obsessed with learning about dragons, playing very true to life. Uh, and so I introduced him to a dragon cult that worshipped Tiamat, of all people, because that's who the dragon cult worships. Well, with Tiamat comes Bahamut, because how am I going to... Or Bahamut, I don't know if I can say it. I always just say Bahamut. Um, because how else am I going to counter the fucking Queen of Dragons? By introducing the King of Dragons. Of course, that's the only way that that makes sense. So I'm giving him story point after story point after story point about figuring out about Tiamat. He gets caressed, uh, caressed and lightly touched and then marked by Tiamat, and I'm pretty sure popped the chode at the table. And then, <laughs> I love that you added the like the light. And then also the met a really cool fucking dragonborn monk that saved his life by putting her fist through the back of a dragon's head. Like, it was just dragon orgy in there, you know what I'm saying? It was dragon after dragon. So he's having a great time eating that shit up. We're going down the line of, like, he's investigating Tiamat's presence and then also, like, taking materials from the dragons and, like, his whole motivation is, like, finding out more about the dragons. And then, of course, this dragon monk lady works for Bahamut, so it's like, shit, man, that's two for one. Two most powerful dragons in existence and I get to learn more about them. So the first, my number one, like, facepalm moment and also just regret of letting it happen uh, from the DM's perspective was letting that character uh, kill himself Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Anyways, we're back. Uh, I had to go investigate some spooky noises. So I'm giving this that fuck was scary as fuck. Giving this dragon character, this dragon PC, dragon player, all these fun dragon plot lines and hooks, and like Tiamat was definitely a little over, you know, a little um, little like out of my league, a little uh, a little over my head in terms of characters that I shouldn't have introduced. Definitely started with introducing him or her for the sake of plot. So, we go to Bahamut's Crystal Palace, um, and Home Slice has been marked by Tiamat. Now, if you know anything about D&D history, or lore, I've talked about this a little bit, uh, Tiamat and Bahamut fucking hate each other, because they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Tiamat is chaotic evil, for fuck knows what reason, and Bahamut is, uh, Because like, God forbid a woman do anything. And Bahamut is, like, lawful good to a fault. Like, you, you fucking steal something off with your hands. Like, it's, it's bad. He's a cop. He's, he's... He's a cop? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's just a You're little... You're not saying no. He's just a little over the line. He's a cop. So, anyways, um... <laughs> I introduced these two characters. We go to Bahamut's realm to like fix some things. I think it was because we got I got put in timeout because I did something I shouldn't. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure what's her face, Kyutha, was like, "Hey, Big Boss wants to talk to y'all because y'all keep fucking things up." Yeah. And if we if you like to go back to where you're from, we can we can figure that out too. Y'all just need to stop terrorizing. (laughs) Somebody was holding the rest of the party members hostage, so everybody else was like, "That seems like a great idea to me." It was like a light hostage. Again. Talking about the Lord, they hate each other. I wonder why Tiamat would mark a dragonborn. Maybe it's uh, I mean, we keep tabs on him. Maybe to just like I don't know, pick favorites, some doodling, some tattoos. Maybe she just likes to fucking I don't know, vandalize other people. <laughs> Vandalizing people is crazy. Uh huh. So we get to Bahamut's realm. Everyone's walking across the crystal bridge, and then Kyutha basically puts her hand on Dragonborn boy's chest and is like, "Hey." 
I don't know if you Back know this, fuck up. but you got a fancy little mark on your neck, and I don't vibe with that mark. That mark means that you need to go back from which you fucking came from, or you can try and step to this bridge, and I'm going to put you in the dirt. And he goes, all right, I'll take the second option. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the, she goes, the rest of y'all can go. Yeah, she's like, the rest of y'all can go along your merry way. And of course, nobody in the party steps in, because they're like, this isn't our fucking fight. We didn't do anything. Okay, the Dragonborn boys said to go. Yeah. Everyone was like, "Did we, we were hop told into we this were not fight? supposed to stay?" Yeah. Well, anyways, everyone not that makes that a decision. Ever stopped us before, exactly. But... I don't know why it stopped y'all in that moment. Everyone leaves him. He's on the bridge. He he one v ones the monk. Monk walks away with like two health. Man, like fucking twin spells, fireball, and then just proceeds to melt her health down to like ten. I hit him once. He's down. Really cool, fun, climactic fight that happens between the two of them. She's about to basically put her fist to the back of his skull, and Bahamut's like, "Hey, man, we got some use for him, yeah." We're here. We're we're about reform. We've we've inflicted some justice. Hopefully, we've beat some sense into him. Drag him back. We'll remove the mark and be on our merry way. Well, this motherfucker's unconscious. So of course, Tiamat pops in and goes, "Hey, listen. Right now, you're being dragged across this crystal bridge, face down, ass up, holes in you, <laughs> getting humiliated. Chances are you're gonna die. Cause I know my brother. My brother's a scumbag. He'll kill anybody that looks at anybody the wrong way. Cause that's just the kind of person he is. A cop. Now, what if I told you that I got a, I got a one for one, two for one special for you? I will let you come back to life, scot free, no consequences, absolutely zero price to be paid. And, and I'll send you back to Muhammad's realm. I'll send you right the fuck back where you came from. And, of course, he's unconscious, so he doesn't know that anybody on the outside has made the decision to let him live. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you out them on a secret. The plan was to make him fucking another Kiyuta and to give him, like, super sick powers. <laughs> he pissed that all away. He said, you know what? I'm totally unaware of what's happening out there. I don't like the fact that I was just fucking killed on this bridge, so I'm actually going to take that deal, Tiamat. And Tiamat goes, yes, you will. <laughs> So he comes back, and then out of him spawns basically a fucking portal to hell where she's being held basically captive hostage, fucking boogeyman monster, whatever you want to call it. She's been put on a short lease by a devil. Um, and her whole fucking ploy was to get to Crystal Palace and then proceed to wreck shit with the aid of devils and dragons yeah. so that she would finally have a one-up in the war. Because she always loses. She always, she's always weaker. But with, with the added power here, there was a real chance that she could win that fight. And she took that chance. She chose yeah. Petty over everything else, and he lets her through. So then he's like, damn, I feel kind of bad now. How do I fix this? And I'm like, give me a computer arcana check. Give me an insight check. Give me some feels. And the most information that I could give him based on his checks was it feels like it spawned from you. It feels like you are the cause. Now, that did not mean that there was a link, any kind of a link, <laughs> any kind of a physical, metaphysical, magical link. That just means that that was me saying, hey, this is a consequence to your action. But he took that as a literal connection and goes, so does that mean if I were to jump through this portal that it would close? And I said, well, give me a check. Check wasn't good. I said, really, it's a, it's a coin toss. And he goes, well, there's really nothing else I can do here in this situation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump through. He jumps through, turns around, portal does not close turns around again, and then proceeds to get gangbanged by, like, six dragons that are all just waiting, waiting for a motherfucker to come through, and then proceeds to get torn apart by the thing he, by the thing he loves the most. His death was so 
heartbreaking. It was so sad because he was like a really fun character. And it's like, it's not that he as a player made poor decisions. He just was working off the information he had and thought he was making the best decision to help the people he cared about the most. And it just fucking backfired, you know? Yeah. And if I'm being honest, there was nothing he could have done in that moment to close it. Yeah. Like, I was not going to allow him to close it. It was a decision that he made. It was a deal he made. There was nothing he could do. It was not within his power to do it. Yeah. Consequences of actions. I'm big on that in my campaigns. So that's that's yeah. probably where it started. That's also my second on the fucking worst things that I feel like have happened in the campaign. The, the second one, technically the first one, is then a direct result of this. Tiamat goes brazy in Crystal Palace. <laughs> She's killing every motherfucking dragon she can. She's fucking up Bahamut every which way. They get locked in a war. Party members are, like, breaking into the white space. They're like, cool, skedaddle, motherfuckers. We're out, dude. Yeah, that was a moment where in a, like, very separate part of the realm, Magnolia's like, I can't make doors anymore. And mm. the other party members go, yeah, you try, can. We try, just believe try, in you. Try, try, Here, try, try. we'll help you. And Robert goes, how are you going to help her in this moment? And they and were they basically go, like power of friendship. Yeah, they were done. I was like, I don't know. We put a hand on her shoulder and tell her that she can do it. And then she did. And they were like, yeah. let's leave. So, and I, the reason why I have that on my list of there is I really feel like I should have just told him not to do it. And I finally arrived at that point in the campaign we're currently playing in where I'm just telling people, please don't make this decision. I like your characters too much to watch you walk into fucking stupid consequences. Yeah. But there, that, that was a time I was early in uh, my DMing career and I was just really kind of hardlining it. So, you know, I let him kill himself. <laughs> um, so fast forward Bro. to like the fucking <laughs> mid-season finale like we talked about with Nidhogg, that fight. Fairhaven's under siege. Um, devils are basically let loose in the streets. Keloy has made his ploy. He's opened a portal to hell. He's like, Tiamat, I got you. I'll give you what you want as long as you help me out. I'll free you from the devils. He's basically playing the devils and Tiamat against one another and is using them both to invade Fairhaven to look for Magnolia and the rest of Magnolia's uh, family, the, the Narrowfines. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a little bit more. Things are bad. Uh, Queen of Fairhaven is like, hey, y'all, um, if you can go close that giant-ass root that's sitting in the middle of my city that seems to be bringing bad vibes here, I'll give you whatever you want. And they were like, you know what? Side quest sounds fun. We'll go fuck with that. So then that kicks off the fight with Nidhogg and the plants and Keloy. And what ends up happening is that fucking Bahamut and Tiamat end up showing up for a 1v1 in the skies of Fairhaven and are like, hey, man, this is the fucking time. And all the battles are happening. It was partially me also wanting to resolve it. So the way that I play the fight is that people can throw up spells, take actions to give Bahamut bonuses, uh, an advantage on rolls, pluses, that kind of thing. And I'm basically just rolling fucking raw d20s against each other. Three strikes, you're out for Bahamut. Three strikes, you're out for Tiamat. Well, you can guess how that fight fucking went. I'm telling you, I've never seen rolls like this. I threw up the amount like of... a fourth and fifth level spell, mm-hmm. which is crazy. The amount of people that threw up high level spells to like make that fight go well. Because I mean, it was basically like whoever won that fight, that was going to decide the, like, the future of the fucking city, let it, like, and the planet too. And he just kept rolling that once for us mm-hmm. with so... his fucking dice. And I'm going to tell you about this dice for a second. I'm going to hijack. I don't think I had those dice at that time. Yes, you did. Oh, maybe I did. Yes, the fuck you did. Because that's when my beef with them started these dice have never rolled well for an ally and i mean this to my fucking court they have never rolled well for an ally only villains 
only bad guys. And I'm telling you, it is something. No, put the mic up to your your mouth when you're fucking cackling, because he knows I'm right. He knows. Bullshit. I swear to God, he put a fucking curse on them. I don't know what witch he had to pay, but I am telling you, this man has never rolled above like a six for an ally with this fucking dice. Enemies, nat twenties, eighteens, nineteens, fifteen <laughs> minimum, fifteen minimum. It's bullshit. Continue. So, anyways, Bahamut loses that fight. Like barely. a bitch. It was like two to three. It wasn't like by a landslide or anything. Tiamat wins. Keloy gets sucked up into Nidhog. Nidhog dips. Uh, so fucking the BBEG has gotten away. The root is definitely not getting closed because they have to go through Nidhog's lizard ass. Yeah. Um, the party is out of spell slots, out of health except for Magnolia, who's just like fucking shell shocked and, <laughs> and trauma fucked. But full health. And then Tiamat wins the fight. She comes. She she goes down to one head, loses every other head. Bahamut rips them like rips them motherfuckers off, and she lives with one head. And so now it is Tiamat flying towards the root. Um, and I'm like, y'all have a decision to make. You can either stand and fight Tiamat, who I rolled, had 200 health, um, which honestly was doable with how fucking broken your party was, minus the fact that you all were all kind of pretty low, except for you. I think you alone could have could have won that fight if but Tiamat did not one-tap you. But then you said but I didn't have my spell slot. I didn't information. Yeah, and also the spell slot thing. Um, if I had my spell slots, I could take any motherfucker down. So then I was like, you have a decision to make, party, as a group of heroes, not so heroes now. You can stay in Fairhaven, and you can try and 1v1 Tiamat, who's at like a sixth of her health and power, or you can fucking skedaddle. Two people in this party, mind you, have a deep personal connection to this city. One of them is the Prince of Fairhaven. The <laughs> other one, her whole fucking family's from Fairhaven. It was me. Uh-huh. And then the third one was from, like, Fairhaven back when it was fucking primal. Yeah. There were three people in this five-party group that had a deep connection to the city. They looked at Tiamat, they looked at that portal, and they said, not our fight. And then proceeded to walk the fuck out. The first person that made that decision was the prince of Fairhaven. No, he was the last I one. thought he was the first. No, he was the last. because He told us to go. Oh, no, that's right. He told yeah, us he told to go immediately. To but it was a really cool moment at the end where we were, like, his whole thing was, like, he was supposed to protect Fairhaven. Um, and there was a really cool moment at the end where everyone else had gone through the door. And it was um, my character turned to him and was like, hey, I know this is your deal. Mm-hmm. I know this is the ship you want to go down on. If you want to come with us, that option is there. I'm not going to hold you hostage. Mm-hmm. I'll take you home at any time if there's still a home to go to. Um, but, like, <laughs> we'd love to have you. And then he, uh, like, makes the decision to go through. And then we, like, we were so proud of this, like, outside of the table. We were like, oh, my God. He's, like, he's, like, he's going to rip off his royal insignia and, like, throw it on Magnolia and go through the door. And it was, like, so dramatic. Um, but, yeah. It was, I mean, it didn't feel good walking away. Yeah. No, I think that was probably the hardest L I've ever seen at the table. I mean, what? It, from our perspective, came out what of, could we have done? Yeah. I mean, and nothing positive came out of that fight at all. No. It was a loss on literally every side. And it was still one of my favorite fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, our top two so favorite sick. moments and my my top negative moment came out of the same fight. Yeah. It was, it was such a cool... 
fashion. Know, is super, super well, you know, really well designed. Uh, super well planned. Uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of planning. I'm in a mood today where I'm not giving him credit, so. But yeah, I think those are probably my two my two negatives: letting Dragon Dragon Guy die the way that he died, and then letting Fairhaven go out the way that it did. Both like a bitch. Yeah, yeah, truly, truly, like both just didn't didn't need to go out that way. Yeah, it was sad. So now we switch to the superhero campaign. Superhero campaign, um, which normally should be like a very lighthearted switch, but I can kick off with my positive. Yeah, go for it. Um, I think my positive and ours might overlap. I hope they don't. But I think my my favorite moment from the campaign, my my top draft pick at least, uh, is probably just the intro session. Yeah, just the intro session. Everyone's intros were super, super good, and we got a really good, strong feel for the vibes of everybody from, like, session one. We did have to go over and do another one just because it was uh, the first one. I just wasn't happy with my performance as a DM. We did, like, a, a session DM. zero. Yeah, we did, like, a session zero, and I think it was really helpful, too, though, because... It helped us set the tone for, like, what it was going to be. And no one really knew how to use the system, including me, so it was just a time for us to figure everything out. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we pretty much followed the same story point for point. Uh, there were a couple differences just because I didn't want it to be, like, cookie cutter, you know what to expect, but... Everyone had a really great introduction. Everyone had a reason to come together. Um, it was super, super quick come together, too, which mm-hmm. was nice to see. Kind of shared mutual interest in being heroes. Um, yeah, I don't know. There weren't a whole lot of things to say about it, truly. It was just, I love the way it shook out. So my top was also the intro, uh, specifically uh, because I'm a player, so I'm very centric to myself, where Roberts are going to be <laughs> more centric to the table. Yeah. Um, my favorite was uh, my character's introduction. Her name is Nightlight. Um, so it starts with um, her talking to her best friend and her everything, um, this guy named Parker, <laughs> who's very anti-heroes. Um, like he Fuck the soups. Yeah, he's against heroes Fuck as a concept. <laughs> and Daisy is like a huge hero fanatic. And so that already kind of set the tone for this really fun dynamic between the two of them, which is, a, yeah, they're best friends, and yeah, they have like a very deep relationship with each other, but also they have one of their like core moral beliefs conflict with each other. And it creates these really cool conversations and these really cool debates of like, does it do good or does it do bad? So then it switches from that. She goes to like a back alley and like rolls a nat one on like changing her clothes and like hits her head on the fucking wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But then changes into her little superhero costume and is like, yeah, I'm going to go like on patrols and be a superhero. And she ends up meeting this guy, Jury, who genuinely is one of my favorite, like, NPCs and characters to interact with in the campaign mm-hmm. just because of how fun it is. Role playing with him. Um, and he's this like fucking smarmy, like daddy's money. <laughs> I'm a hero for the glitz and glamour in the press. Uh, and I'm I good have at what I do and I look good doing it. Yeah, like just fucking smarmy's truly like the best word I can like. A little greaseball. A little greaseball. Like, like a little asshole. Um, and Nightlight is just, she's she sounds like Nightlight. She's a fucking ray of sunshine. She's just so fucking excited to be there. And she believes that there's so much good in everyone. And why would anyone ever do anything for a negative reason? Like, no one would lie on the internet. That's, like, mean. Yep. Uh, like, a little bit naive. No one's going to so, be a hero for the wrong reasons. Yeah, so she's, like, on a rooftop. And he rolls up. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, I'm a huge fan of your comics. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to, like, do a collab? I need some, like, good press. And you uh-huh. seem like a decent, like, you know, local mm-hmm. hire. So uh, we can do, like, a little contract together. And she's like, oh, my God, a team up? Oh, my God, my first, like, superhero friend. And she's, like, so hyped. 
Um, and then they end He's up like cracking beers, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, and there was at one point where he was like, "Yeah, cool." Like, and is like flying her. She's like, "Are you? D- you smell like alcohol. Are you supposed to like Dr- be fly-, fly and drink?" He was <laughs> like, "Is flying and drinking illegal in this world?" Drink and um, fly. Don't drink and fly, kids. And it was like it was just very fun, and like interacting with that character was fun because they end up like breaking into a warehouse, mm-hmm. and it was like her being like, "Okay, here's my time to shine and like show my powers," and, and he's like, he "Is f- that a fucking comic book?" Yep. And he, she's like, "Yeah." And then he's the so one cool. that fucks it all up and freaks out because somebody yeah. says his his like government last name. Because <laughs> somebody fucking brought in the car that he tried to pawn off earlier that day, and yeah. it just all goes downhill so quickly. And, and he's like, like, "Cool, we're no longer here covertly. We are here overtly." And she's like, "What are we doing?" And he's like swinging already, and she's like, "Oh, and call we're the doing fucking that animal powered bouncer like a fish." Yeah, and it was just every interaction between them was so funny. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think it's very fun to like um, oppose two like very contrasting characters, and it was also so much fun getting to like play as a character who is doing what they want to do, mm-hmm. like for a living, like this is their dream, uh, and it was just really really fun to play. And then um, I didn't really get to like meet or talk super much with like the other players um, that early on. Just because, like, our PCs didn't really interact with each other much. Um, But it was just, it was, there was just a fun, like, collaborative energy. It was like, we're all here. We're all fighting the same fight for different reasons, and we don't know each other yet. But, like, Mm -hmm. it was just fun. I think my introduction of Godfather is probably up there, too. Godfather's one of my favorite fucking villains I think I've ever done. (laughs) He's so ridiculous. He really is. The first picture I ever used of him was basically just like an NFT of a fucking gold shark with a cigar in his mouth. Yeah, and then we found out it was an NFT, and we were like, God damn it. Yeah, no thanks. Um, but that was that was such a fun... Fucking gangster shark, man. Yeah. It was, it was just such a fun energy, and I think that like all of the character interactions were really fun. And I think it was partly because I was very, like, I was having a great time playing a positive character because Magnolia was very, like, And it for sure edgy. felt, like, super superhero-y intro. Like, yeah. you know, everybody stumbles into the same warehouse accidentally and is fighting the same guys and is like, hey, we all have shared mutual interests. Let's, like, hang out and get a coffee. Yeah, and there's, like, a link between all of them that they don't fully know yet because, yeah. like, they all like met the same like, NPC ah. that they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was just very fun. It was very, like, classic. It was very camp. Um, it was just very lighthearted, and it had also been a while since we did anything lighthearted. Uh-huh. Um, and God forbid you try to do anything fucking lighthearted in a campaign. Man. Speaking of which, yeah, uh, going straight into fucking negatives. This one happened super recently, and we were debating about whether or not we wanted to talk about it. But this this negative for me, oh my God, I kind of have to. We both kind of have the same positive yeah. and negative. They're just different parts of the same particular character's actions. So I have never felt physically sick at a table, except for when a couple of characters have almost died uh, in the first campaign, which even then it was never really sick. It was just kind of sad. <sighs> the consequences slash actions slash consequences of the actions made uh, genuinely made me feel sick. Like, I like to pride myself on being a pretty good DM, all things considered. Just in terms of being able to, like... Depends on the day. Slime and slide my way through random obstacles that might happen at the table and, like, kind of, kind of you know, improv our way to success and victory yeah. and having a good time. It's one thing I pride myself on because I don't really like to plan. Well, somebody uh, decided that this semester was the semester to fucking test that, uh, test, test out the limit on that one. So... Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not going to talk about how it starts because that's that's more Madison's thing. Um, but the way it ends. Um, Should I, I go first? Yeah, you can go first. Uh, just because mine kind of ties in, but mine's a specific thing. So there's a moment where a character um, in our party, in our superhero group, is working undercover um, like as his day job for this company called DRT. Uh, which are is called the deviant response team. People with uh, superpowers are called deviants in this world. DRT is basically like they're like the militia force um, that are called in to handle specifically like um, deviant related things. So like superhero people, they get their own special like. I don't like the force. FBI, but for deviants and only deviants. Yeah, it's like the bomb squad for deviants. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of an antagonist to everyone who's a deviant. Um, but he works for them and he has a superhero identity and the party knows that he works for DRT because identities have gone to the fucking wind at this point for everyone in the party, except for my character whose identity was very, very, very important to her. And well Um, preserved. And well preserved. Like I was the only character at the table who at this point still had a secret identity uh, because everyone else had already either like said theirs or like had theirs revealed, um, for one reason or another. But I've been, like, very, very careful to maintain mine, like, make sure not to show the party any documents that would have personal information on them um, because she really, really cares about Parker. And also, not only Parker's safety, but if Parker finds out that she's a superhero, that's going to cause some tension in their relationship. Um, And (laughs) she is like, oh, there's no cell service down in our little hideout. I'm going to go above and, like, get some cell service so I can call him um, and make sure that he's okay. And... Uh, this other character goes, okay, I'll go with you because I can like run really fast and I'll just take you there quicker. And she's like, great. And while they're up there, he gets a text from his boss saying like, you haven't been to work in three days. What's up, man? Um, I'm about to fire you. And he's like, no, I'm undercover. I found someone who's like linked with the the target of the mission um, that, that we're trying to hunt down as DRT. And he goes, okay, send proof. And uh, he's up there with um, Nightlight is the only other person. So he goes, hey, do a superhero pose for me real quick. And she does because this is her friend. And also she has a weakness for like superhero poses and like being a superhero. So he takes picture of her and he sends it to DRT and says, this is her. Uh, she's directly not, linked. Not, by the way, just to like a guy in DRT. Sends it the to boss. The, to the head. The head of DRT. Like fucking J. Edgar Hoover. Like top of the fucking food chain basically like de facto president if like the mayor goes mia yeah this is the girl we're looking for uh she's directly linked to like all of these issues that have happened um and my character has no idea of this like massive betrayal and drt because every like deviant has to be registered um in like some effect with the government drt is able to pull those records and is very quickly able to find her personal identity. And then I wasn't there for the next session, but apparently he went into work and doubled down on it and was like, yeah, she also works with uh, this group called the Splice Circle, oh who God. are like yeah. the big criminals. Like that is the, like if the Justice League was evil, um, that's them. Well, it's like we have a Justice League, which is the millennial group. And then we have the, the fucking Doom Squad, which yeah. is, or League of Evil Villains, whatever the fuck, whichever one you like to talk about more, which is the Splice Circle. Yeah. Uh, and says, yeah, she works for them. Um, like, she works with them. She's a part of it. And she's just a little 21-year-old, like... And he's like, cool. At this point, by the way, the boss that, that we're referring to, he is wigged out. He is 
on high alert, his prized possession, the thing that could bring down his entire career and, like, the whole department of DRT is out in the city loose, fucking being a superhero uh, and, and doing a pretty good job of being low-key about it. And this particular character just so happened to, like, wind up in a really good situation where he could kind of play both sides of the fence from the perfect spot and fumble the bag. Yeah. And then proceeds to tell Crazy Man, who's, like, fucking Charlie Day... Be like, the office, she's the yeah, one behind it all. Like, fucking, he's wigged out, his tie's off, his shirt's a mess, he's got corkboard, whiteboard, he's doing the whole thing. Her security, her and social he, security like, number, her comes home over the desk and is like, hey, bro, how, like, how deep in this is she? Because she's the only link we got to this. And he goes, she's the full link. She's the, she's the person we got to get. She's public enemy number one. She's the bad guy. And I rolled a fucking insight check. I did insight versus deception. And Guy was so fucking nutso that he was like, yeah, yeah, this is the big break we need. <laughs> and then proceeds to basically send the FBI after one person in one. a city that's like way smaller than most countries. Yeah. It's a city. Like and it's not that big. Like it, 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 I mean, like this is just a little twenty-one-year-old girl who's who's like saves kittens out of trees. He's also completely unaware of what is happening. Completely unaware, uh, completely unprepared. Like literally has no way of knowing this. No way of knowing this. So she's sleeping at her fucking house. She gets a knock on a door, uh, which was a fucking like, basically. I'm assuming a I've got to get this character out of this situation real quick from Robert. Um, and has the, like, the captain of the police knock on her door personally and be like, hey, girl, let me in. And she goes, I need to see a warrant. I don't trust the cops. And she goes, nightlight, open the fucking door. And I, as a player, go, uh, yes. Um, and she comes in and she's like, cool. Uh, you are DRT's, like, number one most wanted. Uh, they are hunting you down. They are on their way to your apartment. You need to get the fuck out of town. You need to scrap your identity. You need to go underground. Daisy cannot exist. Nightlight cannot exist right now. Like, you gotta fucking hide. And I get to go, cool. Uh, and it, it was just kind of a hard moment as a player to have that much agency kind of taken from you. Mm -hmm. um, when it's a character that you... And, and this the backstory like, that we'd been working up to, too. Like, she was finally hitting her, like, Spider-Man stride, where it's like... Yeah, she was finally starting to do good. To heroes, and we're on a case, and we just got a thing, and we got problems to solve, and investigations to put together, and I got friends now. And then it's like, yeah. no, mm, breaks. Yeah, it was just... Solid concrete wall. It was just, like, it was kind of just... And it wasn't like... It, like, it was something I would have loved to have explored. Um... Just not at that moment mm -hmm. um, because it was like she had just started establishing who she was like on a bigger level than just being like local to the like and I don't mean neighborhood like city neighborhood, not even the block, like literally her apartment building. She was like known there um, mm. and then to be like suddenly to, to lose all of that and be like, cool. Well, now all of my downtime is going to be have to is having to be spent instead of doing things like talking to my friends or training to get better powers or trying out new things has to be spent trying to clear my name um, and like find receipts and find ways to prove my innocence so I can leave our little underground bunker where we where I live now because I, I can't go home um, 
it just kind of sucked to have that happen in that moment. Yeah. So to kind of go in, into my moment then, um, and I think I don't really want to focus on the moment so much as I want to focus on why I feel like this has been my biggest mistake of this campaign. I gave I gave a lot of people a lot of power, um, and some people were just more ready for it than others. Truly, I think what it was is that I had never been a DM for this particular player before. I had been a player with that other like with that person at a at a campaign we've been playing in the same campaign for a very well a very long time i have also been a player for that particular person who has then dm'd the campaign after the one that we played in as players together so i feel like i had a, a pretty good handle on how he was going to be as a person and as a player and everyone kind of had a, a varying role of like real world influence and responsibility. And that was my favorite part about this campaign going into it because I was really trying to go for a world that felt alive and active and, and interactive and like moving with or without the players. Um, like I wanted to really reinforce just how significant a role heroes can have on their environment in people with that kind of power, both good and bad. Yeah. And we just so happened to stumble into the second one. <laughs> um best. So first. I gave I gave so one first. particular player, like she mentioned, a position with the FBI, um, and they were pretty high up. They were like second, third in command. Like they were a hop, skip, and a jump away from like executive director. Um, and their best friend, as far as they were aware, was like that guy. Was the guy at the top? Was J Edgar Hoover? Um, I love that you keep using J Edgar Hoover. I'm pretty sure was he not the guy that was the fucking head of the FBI for a long time and like inter like started all remember. the you should Google that for me so I I know whether or not I need to cut that. Um, <laughs> you say that like we've cut any other times we've just been dead wrong. Anyways, uh, he might have just been a fucking president and I'm just stupid. I'm pretty sure he was a president. No, former director of FBI. Fuck yeah! See, I knew I was right. Guy go. started all sorts of counterintelligence shit. He did a lot of really, really nutty stuff. Anyways, I'm not here to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I'm going down it while you talk. Yeah, he war crimes. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I was about to say something about our government. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Yeah, don't do that. Um, so anyways, Jagger Hoover's down for this podcast. Best friend is like basically deep undercover, and I gave a player. Basically, like a hop, skip, and a jump away from having the keys to a nuke. Um, and for reference, this character had worked on said metaphorical nuke and was the only person that had the ability to turn it on or off. Yeah. Like he was the only thing stopping this guy from having the nuke that we all knew he was gonna use based on his erratic behavior. You know? Yeah. Guy itching for a fix. I did not prepare properly. <laughs> I did not step in as a DM properly. I did not pump the brakes when I should have. For the most um, unhinged decisions I've I, ever seen. What I have noticed about this particular player is that when you can, when you give them conflict, unlike most players who will either back down from it or will try to find a way around it rather than through it, this particular player likes to tackle it head first. And put it in their mouth. And, yep. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. And not just even in like a way where like, yeah, we're going to start the combat and count every time. I mean like fucking foot in mouth as wide <laughs> as, as far as that shit will go. Like cannonball into like a fucking glass house. Like it, it's, it's truly to the point, like the metaphor that I, I'm thinking of right now is like, let's just say that there's a glass house. House is very expensive, very fragile, very well connected house. Mm -hmm. There's one object you need in the middle, and it's going to be a little difficult to get it, but you can see through the walls because 
<laughs> I've given you a glass house, and you have a lot of power. You can see through the walls. You understand how this works. Yeah. You have superpowers, by you the way. You have superpowers. And your solution to getting to that fucking ball in the middle of the house is not to go through doors, is not to close them behind you gently. It is not to tiptoe. It is not to ask other people for help. It is not to cut a hole in the glass with a little glass cutter like you're in a spy movie. It is to literally put on shoulder pads in a fucking helmet, football style, and then proceed to truck your ass through the front door all the way to that goddamn ball, and I'll be fuck if anything's gonna get in your way. (laughs) It doesn't matter what decision has to be made, whose career you gotta ruin, whose life you gotta take a shit on, Whose fucking gun you gotta give a blowjob to? It doesn't matter. <laughs> there are no consequences. All of which uh, those things happened in the campaign. This man gave a gun a blowjob in the like second session we met him. Uh-huh. He had someone pull a gun on him and he put it in his mouth. He also had someone pepper spray him, and he st- he took the pepper spray and pressed the button to make it do it again. You I thought we forgot about that moment. I'm bringing that back because that was crazy. Chaotic of chaotic characters. So, not knowing that that was going to be how the player decided to tackle the issues, I gave them the 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 fucking power to essentially alter the entire campaign. And uh, boy, boy howdy, did it go down pretty quick. Um, he just yeah. I kept giving him big big plot points and big story points, and instead of like being a hero and like trying to play him low key, he just proceeded to take a fucking sledgehammer. Like, and just went at it. Just went at it. Just yeah. bulldozed all the way through that bitch. So speaking of doxing. Uh-huh. Oh, that also happened in the campaign. Somebody got motherfucking doxed. Oh, I was talking about the second doxing. Oh, so that so the event in particular that, I, uh, that I'm leading all this catastrophe up to is that this character, uh, this is post-leaking of Nightlight. Everyone at the table basically, like, physically cringed when that happened, by the way. Um, It was not just Madison being like, what the fuck? It was everybody at the table going, what the fuck? What did you just do? And then when he doubled down on it, everybody was like, what are you doing? And I wasn't even there for that, by the way. I got a phone call to update me on the session, and Robert goes, oh, by the way. uh, He doubled down. He doubled down. He said you're like the bad guy. Yeah. So so then I, I I'm two hours away in familiar, another city minding my business. Anybody that's familiar with Marvel Comics and specifically X Men will know that there's a very famous villain. Uh, they're called the 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 Sentinels, the Sentries, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, their whole thing is that they are designed specifically to kill people with the X gene. They can, and sort of the later versions of them, they can adapt and basically reform themselves to be anything, any tool, any weapon, any any resistance, any invulnerability to kill the mutant that is in the vicinity. I essentially introduced this concept really early on and made him the co-creator of said Sentinel. He was the only one that had the ability to turn it on. His boss could not figure out how to turn it on because he kept canonically sabotaging it so that he could eventually find a way to dismantle them all and keep him from turning them on. Yeah. So then we're at, like, the penultimate conversation between Big Boss and character. And Big Boss goes, hey, man, uh, I don't really like what's been going on. You know, you keep saying it's this girl. We can't figure anything out. We're not making any progress it with the plot. It looks like she's just a college it student. It looks like she's just a person. I need you to, sh- like, either do something for me here and now in this moment. Give me something to trust you again. 
to get you back into my good graces or you're fired, your life is ruined, you will never work of anywhere, anywhere of any substance ever again. And you know what he does? He goes, okay, I'll, I'll give you some. I'm gonna go turn on. I'm gonna go turn on the murder bots. I'm gonna go turn on the walking nukes. Mind you, we know what they're capable of because one of the characters in the campaign is playing a fucked up version of one of those bots, like a prototype, and is like running through motherfuckers like it is nothing because that is the yeah. character that he has been designed to play. So we're very aware of what this of what these these things can do. So I'm like, cool, maybe he's going to go in and try and, like, sabotage them. So, like, when they get turned on, they short circuit, and then he can, like, run and then find the kidnapped family members that are also being held in the same fucking facility. You know what he does? He goes, on a 23, he goes, I turn them on. <laughs> I said, do you, like, sabotage them or, like, try to make it, like, turn it on and then, like, fake it? And he goes, no, nah, I just turn them on. <laughs> I said, are you fucking kidding me? He I goes, wish y'all could see Robert's fucking face right now as he's reenacting this. He goes, no. No, I turn him on. I said, okay. So we've turned on, we've given the man, the crazy man, with the fucking whiteboard and the red string. Charlie the keys Day. keys to the nukes. We've given him the keys to the nukes. <laughs> and then, and then he goes, by the way, man, I really appreciate the favor you've just done for me. I know you're a superhero, and I've known for the last, like, week. Because we have been watching your ass since you went MIA. Because you're yeah. like one of our top executives. Why didn't you think we would be doing that? Yeah. And he goes, at the table, I shit you not, his reaction is, what? And I go, yeah, no, like we've known. But I like you so much as a person, in character person to in character person, that I'm going to give you one chance. Put down the cape, come work for me, put down the whole superhero business, and we will turn this city into the best like city we possibly can. We will usher in a new era of peace. You'll be at the front of it, the creator of the murder bots. Life is great. And you know what he says? Standing next to one of the murder bots <laughs> that he just turned in, I shit you not, less than 10 feet away, he goes, nah, I'm a fight. <laughs> and then proceeds to get two-pieced. He goes down three times in two rounds of combat, which if anybody knows the rules of the game, you go down three times, you perma-die. I was like, I can't kill him. That feels wrong. So I give him a chance. He escapes to the front, gets downed again. You learned your lesson with the dragon thing. I learned my lesson to, with the dragon thing. Amends. I'm trying to make amends. And he still cannot, cannot, even with giving him the ability to escape death, not once, not twice, but three times, seem to get out of this goddamn facility and escape the murder bot. So then I have to bring in Superman to come in and save his little scrawny ass. Because basically, <laughs> 10 minutes before this conversation, he looked Superman dead in his face and went, I know who Lewis Lane is. <laughs> you have fun with that piece of information. After Superman told him he was the worst hero he'd ever seen, he goes, tell Lewis Lane I said hi. Lewis? Lewis. Lois Lane. Lewis Lane. Lois Lane. So then Superman comes and saves him only because he mentions Lois Lane's name. Superman comes and goes to fight the bot, basically almost dies, which everyone is like mouth agape. How the fuck did that happen? Uh, it's called I Designed a Bot Whose Premise Was Killing Superman. Who didn't actually mean to almost kill Superman? It was a possibility. <laughs> it was a possibility, man. And everyone was like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? Meanwhile, guy's not speaking a word. <laughs> he's not telling anybody what he's done. 
because he gets bitch slapped by fucking Captain America because Captain America's like, I know what you've done. You have fucked us all. Like, I know that that character, this character's name is Rebellion. is like a cross between Captain America and Homelander. And, then, and I know he's supposed to be a bad guy, but in that moment, I was fully on his side. Like, he, everything he said in that, like, interaction was correct. And then knockoff Scarlet Witch is like, you know what, cherry on top, no more powers for you. And then proceeds to turn off his powers using magic. You know, like, at this point, you're thinking, damn, I've really punished this guy. We should let him go. And I do let him go. You know what? I let him go. I say, you know what? You can make your own decisions now. I've taken away your powers. Your best friend doesn't like you. Superman told you you're basically fucking uh, the Joker, but worse, somehow bad at the Joker's job. Uh, and you can get fucked. And then had to save your scrawny ass in front of the whole city after you turned on the nuke. And then the next session, you're like, okay, here's how to get your powers back. Uh-huh. Next session, here, I'm like, here here's... Here is verbatim how to get your powers back. Here's how we retcon. Here's how we retcon. We, we make amends. We make amends with the character whose identity you've doxxed. We clear her name. Or you can go talk to knockoff Scarlet Witch, who's definitely not going to do you any favors. Yeah. You know what he does? You know what this guy does? <laughs> he proceeds to go on live television, broadcasting to the whole city, because if he has our friendly neighborhood murder bot player... Hijack into every fucking screen. We're playing in a cyberpunk city, by the way. I'm sure you can guess how many fucking screens are in the city. <laughs> so then he goes on live television and he says, All right, guys. So uh, I'm responsible for the whole nightlight thing. You can scratch that off. That's all on me. I'm a scumbag. And then I'm like, Okay, cool. Do you say anything else? And he goes, Yeah, no, I info dumped the whole thing. I said, What do you mean the whole thing? <laughs> and he goes, The whole thing. Like everything that's happened in the last, like, I don't know, week. And I said, Okay. So then I start going through the list of things that he's that he's like info dumping. I say, okay, so do you name drop J. Edgar Hoover as as the guy behind the nuke who's already unhinged and has a nuke? And he goes, no, I don't. I don't name drop him. I go, okay, what about the fact that uh, the fucking DRT has kidnapped a family? Do you mention that? Because that's a big thing to accuse the FBI of. And he goes, yeah, no, I mentioned that. I don't mention the names of the kidnapped people because that fucking matters. <laughs> but I I let the world know, the city know. That the fucking standing military is kidnapping innocent civilians. And also uh, making robots to kill every person with deviant powers. Yeah, so then the last thing I ask, okay, so uh, do you info dump anything about the murder bots? And he goes, uh, yeah. I go, okay, so what does yeah include? He goes, everything. I said, about the fact that you made them? He goes, oh, no, 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 not that. I said, okay, but just about like the fact that DRT has them and they're turned on? He goes, yeah. I said, okay. So then DRT hijacks the fucking live stream and is like, hey guys, this is uh, unequivocally false. So you know what his reaction is? Shut down the live stream, double down. He goes, nah, DRT's lying to you. Uh, coming live from some base in the middle of fuck nowhere, DRT is out to get you. <coughs> so then everything breaks fucking loose. The city loses it. DRT shuts off the power. Rolls out murder bots. He's basically out looking for the whole superhero team. Mind you. Because what do you think they've been doing? Guess what Reconning. level? Guess what level we are, folks. Five and seven. Five and, and we seven. We just watched a fucking, uh, basically a level 25 character 1v1 and almost lose to one of these things. There were eight. Eight in the fucking bank that are loose. That are loose. And so at this point as a DM, I'm like, cool. Uh, I don't know what to do. There was a moment where we still had like two, almost three hours left in our playtime, and Robert just goes, I, I, I think we have to end here today. I, at this point, am feeling physically ill, because also at this point, I said, what are we doing, guys? Are we going full send into this fuck shit? Are we playing full fuck shit? 
And everyone goes, yeah, we're playing full fuck shit. So I say, cool. I go on Twitter and I leak photos of Superman and the mayor and the J. Edgar Hoover and some other superheroes. and being buddy-buddy and yeah. colluding. Yeah, having a, having a little dinner with manila envelopes yeah, on the table. Basically then just points the finger at every person in power. And then it involves Superman in that conversation. Yeah, and so I just, I was like, cool, I guess she tweets that out. And, and so then her whole identity online gets erased because, of course, the FBI is like, nah, I don't fuck with that. You yeah. can't, you can't point the finger at us. Which then it goes trending on Twitter. Uh, and then everybody picks it up and it gets reposted. But all of her social media accounts are just fucking d- deleted. Which, deleted. Which a huge chunk of her personality is her social media presence, yeah. which sounds really vain and stupid, but like there's a reason for it. Yeah. So to wrap this up, to wrap up my worst moment uh, as a DM, I think ever, this just tops, period, uh, letting all this happen. And truly, I'm, I'm not throwing shade at the player at this point. I know I'm putting a lot of this on their actions, but at any point in time, I could have jumped in as a DM and been like, please... I want you to understand that the, that the consequence to this action is a lot bigger than you think it's going to be. And I didn't, because I up to that point, I was very, like, hardline consequences to your actions. You know, you're yeah. a free agent in a free world, and if something shitty happens, like somebody launching nukes, that's on you, dude. So that leads to our, uh, spider, our, our, our third Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, where we Doctor Strange that shit away. Yeah, so then I, I get to the end of the session, and I'm like, all right, everybody, can you can everybody give me an insight check to see exactly what it is you, sh- you guys should be doing as level five and level seven characters? God, we're so low. I'm like, Nightlight, you go and find Superman and beg that bitch to come back into this fight and do something. Superman's in a coma, by the way, guys. <laughs> Superman has hit, has hit her doomsday arc in this universe and is now beaten within an inch of her life and is in comatose state recovering. The yeah. way that we left off with her in that fight was no one knows if she's going to recover from this. <laughs> from that fucking ass beating she got in public. Yeah. She goes off and finds uh, finds her, and then I'm like, okay, thing one and thing two, which is the robot, and then the thing that made the robot, and also the person that gave the nukes to J. Edgar Hoover. And also um, the robot has a nuke. Oh, yeah, and the robot, can I leave? This note. is not a joke. They're, made a hydrogen bomb. <laughs> their base is built on a hydrogen bomb, and that's just a thing. So I'm like, you guys, your best action is going to be to go to DRT and turn the power on. Good luck with that. At this point, I was not thinking in, like, what is feasible. I'm thinking in what is the best use of these these characters right now. Go to DRT, which is the most heavily defended and most fucking uh, absolutely aware, on-edge group of people in the whole city right now who've just been outed on live television as being <laughs> terrorists. You guys should go and fix that. So then to the <laughs> kid with wind powers, I'm like, you should go talk to your dad. Your dad's like <laughs> actually really, really uh, up there in terms of people that can do something about this situation. You should go make sure that he's on your side before the FBI tells him that you're the terrorist. So he goes off to do that. And then, and then I, I tell Shadow Boy, I'm like, hey, all the hospitals, the things that you care about a lot, they've all lost power, which means ICU people. They're fucking dead. They're just dead, period. And God. Dead. So you should go there and try and help them because that's what it means to be a real hero. Save the people caught in the crossfire. We get about a quarter into our roles for this, and at this point I'm like, cool. What if we just didn't? At this point, I am defeated. I don't know what to tell the players to do. Two of the, the two people that had to go and uh, basically infiltrate DRT, which is on high alert at this point, maximum security, I shit you not, one of the players looks at me, he goes, there's no way we can do this, is there? And I said, not really. So they're like, spy movie, how do we get in? Underground. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> I said, you know what, I'll come back to you guys. You sit there and talk. And at this point, they're like, not, there's no speaking. Because they both know there's no fucking way they're getting in there. 
Yeah. Not even close. There was one idea that I came up with in my head, but I was like, you know what? They don't deserve it. I'm not giving it to them. <laughs> um, because one of them is the person that They're brought it upon punishment. themselves. Yeah. I'm over there talking to Superman. I get a gun and pulled Superman's on me. Superman's girlfriend pops up and goes, you listen, you say a word, fucking bullet in the back of your head, dude. And she goes, why are you here? And honestly, I don't know why. I just straight up was like, She goes, inside the inside check. check. The inside <laughs> check brought me here. <laughs> I didn't know why. I was there. Like, legit. I didn't understand. I, it was just, I yeah. as a player was so frazzled by everything that had happened. I just, I could not come up with anything. I could not pick up on anything. And I had and so, so much prepared for the, for that session and the session before. And even the session after. Because I was like, I got to get you guys back on track to be like, uh, like young justice fucking teen titans level like that's the, yeah. that's the road we're going down like, we, i just gave you your dead shot enemy like y'all yeah. are on the road to like having a regular hero come up yeah and then somebody said nope <laughs> 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 just absolutely <laughs> delete the entire session it was like i made cute little christmas minis for everyone uh like they were so cute i made little christmas comic book covers for everyone and it was like them decorating a christmas tree together and like having hot chocolate and i was like merry christmas everyone this yeah. is our little christmas session it's gonna be so cute and adorable because that's christmas how it was gonna time. end too. it was gonna end with christmas no it ended with uh with the fucking nuclear holocaust yeah and then it was like cool uh are we memory wiping everyone Everyone, cool. And then it was like, cool. Yeah. The one, the the player who did it was like, I want to remember. He was like, I think I deserve yeah, to remember goes, as this punishment. Is, this is my punishment. I said, no. <laughs> you are not remembering your actions. That is unfair to everybody else at this table who is going to forget everything that happened. The only person your who remembers penance at this point is that you still don't have your powers back. Yeah, my character has like a weird vibe about it, and I'm like. We could table that for later. So now I have to go through and make a list of all the things that happened and didn't happen and then basically info dump the first half hour of our next session in fucking January about all the things that they did that didn't do. Yeah. So anyways, that's my biggest failure as a DM ever. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We're going to go ahead and cut it here. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Table Talk. Hopefully we will have another one out for you guys over the Christmas and winter break while we are enjoying Florida. We are going to Florida. We're going to Disney. Anyways, sorry. Okay, that's like calm down. King of capitalism. That's like capitalism's little fucking play toy, man. I recognize. Anyways. But, Bye. Bye.